0: I'm Seth. And I'm Jonathan. And welcome to No Experts Allowed. You know what we love? The Bible. You know what we don't love? When people use the Bible to scare or hurt others, instead of allowing it to transform them and their communities. So we're trying something different. Two Bible nerds
1: hosting a podcast that isn't about technical details, but is about two
0: simple questions. What's the story? And what's the point? One of us will prepare for the conversation. Let's call them the non-expert. The other will respond to the story as they hear it. We'll call them, and you, the storyteller. So we can show you that you don't need to be an expert to hear the Bible speak to our world. Join us. Let's tell a good story today. Hey,
1: Seth. How's it going?
0: Good. Hey, Jonathan.
1: It's so good to be with you.
0: Thanks. I'm glad to be here with you, too.
1: How are you feeling? Like in a word or a short phrase, how would you describe the state of Seth?
0: Better. <laughs> I feel Better. like <laughs> I feel a little bit calmer than I did when we recorded our last episode. Yeah,
1: think... lots happened since then. It's been a crazy few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like every politician or the president delivering the State of the Union Address. The state of the Jonathan is strong. strong. (laughs) I don't know if that's entirely true, but I'm feeling good. And I'm glad to be with you. And I'm really excited to ask you a question. What would you do in this particular situation? Would you want to be featured on the show Deadliest Catch or be a real-life version of Will Smith's character in Hitch? Ooh. so essentially <laughs> do you want to have a really intense industrial fishing job <laughs> or be a modern day matchmaker relationship expert will smith cool guy <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay i'm gonna go with option b i want to be yeah. i want to be hitch I think I'm pretty good at setting people up. I don't want to brag, but, <laughs> but, but I'm going but to brag. <laughs> <laughs> but at least two people I set up off the top of my head have gone married. So that's a good track record. And I have not set up like a ton of people.
1: Okay. So based on your experience of doing it one time, <laughs> you're considering yourself a good enough matchmaker to be Hitch.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Because I've only done it once, but I haven't tried that many times. So my my percent Fair. positive rate, I don't think that's how you use that, is high. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: a new use for po- percent positivity. Is <laughs> Have
0: you tried industrial fishing? No, but I've tried non-industrial fishing and I'm no good at it. So I don't think I, industrial fishing is the way to go. Yeah, there's part of me that wants to be on deadliest catch,
1: but I see no situation in which the outcome is anything other than me falling overboard (laughs) and drowning. (laughs) That's what I
0: thought. They'd have to tie a rope to me so they could start pulling me in.
1: Oh, man. Well, you you might see some connections here to our passage today. I'm not sure. (laughs) Okay. But why don't you go ahead and read this passage from the Gospel of Mark for us?
0: Let's go. Let's see how this connects. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20 from the New Revised Standard Version. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Nice. Getting some connections, but why did you pick the NRSV for us this week? One of the
1: things that I found compelling about the story this week is the language. And I think some of the language that comes across that Jesus uses about the nature of the kingdom of God or the reign and realm of God, the language that Jesus uses when inviting the disciples that are mentioned here to follow him, the language was my top priority. Um, So I wanted to go to... The NRSV is one of my go-to translations when I'm trying to look at something that's both as close to the original text as possible while also making some specific commitments to inclusion and some modern-day values that are important to me. So I think the example that comes through is the fact that Jesus says, I will have you fishing for people rather than I will make you fishers of men. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, those kinds of differences still getting at the original meaning but putting it forward in a way that
0: tries to be more inclusive in that regard yeah i'm surprised it doesn't say for they were fisher people and then you can have fish for people in the next mm, line maybe it does <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe that's the maybe that's the greek although probably not, probably not. Uh, because <laughs> Yeah. Because
0: because, <laughs> because, things. Yeah. because
1: Because reasons. <laughs> okay, so as you read about Jesus proclaiming the nearness of the kingdom of God, read about the calling of these disciples, what stood out to you?
0: Okay, I don't know how... Maybe this is just Mark. I don't know how the first part and the second part are linked. <laughs> like... He comes, John's been arrested. We're, we're only in the 14th verse. John's already yeah. been arrested. Jesus has already given away the whole spiel, right? The times to fulfill the kingdom of God has come near. Repent mm-hmm. and believe in the good news. And then like the next thing we know, he's passing along the Sea of Galilee and he's kinda get some disciples. Yes. This was this
1: was one of the things that I wanted to highlight is that this passage and this selection feels so perfectly representative of how mark is structured you just cited so many of the things that we learned in this passage yeah (laughs) this mention it says after john was arrested there's nothing before this talking about john getting arrested this is literally the only mention of it and so it's some assumed characteristic we have some insight into it from the other gospels But in Mark, this is just the author referencing a fact that would have been known. (laughs) A significant point of the story in the other Gospels just becomes a clause in a sentence to introduce (laughs) Jesus traveling to Galilee after being in the wilderness. It's just so fast-paced. It's so striking how so much information and so many details are pulled in together, kind of forced together. And at the same time, how many details are omitted yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and things that we aren't aren't given insight into here. But you're right. There are these kind of disparate parts of this story, right? There's Jesus, as you said, giving the whole shebang. This statement that I would say is truly central to the understanding of what Jesus came to proclaim and what Jesus came to do. And then there's the story of Jesus calling these fisher people, <laughs> these fishermen, <laughs> to uh, come and follow him, to be his disciples. And in an initial reading, it it does seem like a pretty significant disconnect there. And yet, I would see a common thread in the idea of invitation, right? Mm-hmm. That Jesus presents this idea. That God has come near. What was perceived to be far away is actually quite close. And as we read here, Jesus says, repent, or as other translations might render it, change your hearts and lives and believe the good news. So There's an invitation there, right? Mm -hmm. That invitation becomes much more specific with these four disciples, with Simon, with Andrew, with James, and with John as this invitation to change their hearts and lives and to follow Jesus is so specific to them that Jesus makes a pun about what's going to happen to them. (laughs) It says, says, I see you struggling to do what you're doing. And for James and John, I see you struggling to keep up the family business. Come with me. I've got something more Mm -hmm. for you. And again, in typical Markan fashion... There's nothing here to suggest why in the world these four would drop everything and go with him, But for Mark, where the pace is the most important thing, they just get up and go in this really striking fashion. And it, it almost sets the stage, right, for, like we've talked about, these passages that start off our Gospels are not just convenient introductory information. They're really central and foundational to where the story is going. And what we see from this introduction is, first off, a key central statement. The whole shebang <laughs> of God's reign and realm being close rather than being far away. You get an introduction into a creative, surprising main character of the story in Jesus. Who approaches <laughs> strangers, talks about their work, makes a joke about it, and then says, come on, let's go. And for some reason they go with them. And the fact that he's approaching folks that are not found in the halls of power or the centers of religious authority, but are folks who are working to put food on the table, (laughs) working to make ends meet, working to stay connected with their families. There almost seems like there's a spot for folks who might not be expected to be the ones Hmm. who are supposed Hmm. to come along i kind of went into some of that faster than i thought (laughs) it's okay (laughs) but does that does that help maybe make some connections here as as we think about these early these early passages that we read
0: it does and i'm thinking particularly about if you would hear this passage like for the first time you're just hearing mark's gospel. Like how you would identify with the people who are called here. Yeah. Right. Like either as someone who has been called feels some type of call and that's why you're you're listening, right? Or it also functions maybe as a as a type of call if you like have never heard this before. Right. Right. Hmm. And it comes right at the beginning. I think that's so key. Huh. Do you think there's any significance with them? Immediately leaving their nets. I mean, I know Mark loves the word immediately. Like, it's, but it's like, I just wonder about that. Like, if there's something, like, he's trying to get across how completely willing they are. I don't know what word to use there.
1: Yeah. I think my answer to that is kind of twofold, right? There is something structurally and from a vocabulary sense important about the word that we translate immediately in mark's gospel i don't have the information in front of me but it occurs so many times again as this driving force of the narrative it's like immediately they left and went this way and we read immediately he called them and they dropped their nets it's it's in addition to that purpose in the overall narrative it also creates this pretty striking image that we're talking about right this image of folks abandoning their entire vocation to follow a teacher that they just met and culturally that kind of invitation was Mm. pretty recognizable for someone in of Jesus's tradition Um, Hmm. the the, you know the idea of being a disciple wasn't something that Jesus invented Mm. uh, but is very closely related with Jewish teaching traditions of having disciples of particular teachers or rabbis that would then kind of expand on and develop their teachers work with subsequent students so we see this image playing on some of those ideas that would have been more commonly known to folks that were hearing this or were reading this around the time and yet as we approach it today it just seems to be almost a reckless abandon with which Simon and Andrew and James and John cast everything aside. And honestly, one of the things that struck me was thinking about Zebedee. Oh, yeah. Just... <laughs> so this is James and John's dad. He's... Who's just like, who, who's uh, presumably running the family business of fishing. <laughs> and his sons just like toss everything aside and leave. And... Jesus didn't call Zebedee, right? Like, He's <laughs> like, like, what about, what about me? Uh, He's like, <laughs> so okay, <there's>... boomer. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't really have anything profound to say, but I just thought about what it would have been like for Zebedee to experience this and watch his sons like leave him
0: behind. He's just in the boat with the hand. Just... Like... Yeah, I was just like,
1: I was just kind of, I was kind of struck by that.
0: Yeah, wish we got more about that. But it's Mark, so I'm not... Of course you don't. just moves on.
1: No. No, there's probably just some other details about an arrest and like a a brawl or something that are added in two words before going on to Jesus' next action. Was there anything else that stood out to you about this story?
0: I I think we
1: covered it all.
0: It's a this is a great little passage.
1: I know it. You know, for all that we all that we say, kind of poking fun at Mark, it does create kind of this compelling series of events that are that do really draw you in. But if we could, uh, if you'd humor me and helping me transition to conversation about what the point of this passage is, yeah. or what a point of the passage is, I'd love to talk more about the idea of invitation and how that relates to our faith. You know, it's no secret, and this is kind of part of the purpose of our podcast, right, is to help reclaim certain aspects of the Christian faith from expressions of our faith that have used the Bible, that have used gathering in Christian community to perpetrate like really serious harm. And I think a lot of harm has also been done in the name of Inviting folks to consider becoming Christians or the idea of evangelism, right? It's the root of the word evangelical, which has turned into this code word for a certain type of Christian, uh, especially in the American context, that doesn't just have certain beliefs, but kind of exercises those beliefs and exercises the power that they hold, based on most often among white evangelicals, the privileged position that they hold in their society the way that their faith and their political understandings have kind of merged into one evangelism is central to this story you know evangelism comes from as we've said on the podcast i think relatively recently the greek it's a you know it's just kind of an english version of the greek word that we translate to mean good news so it's things that are related to god's good news and there's nothing inherently harmful there's nothing inherently problematic with the word it's become so untouchable in a lot of faith circles including ones that i walk in because of the desire to avoid the evangelism of
0: evangelicals (laughs)
1: right (laughs) Right. well of not of not of evangelicals necessarily but of like of the bible bashing christians who essentially say you must convert, you must think like me to have God's favor, and if you don't, you're going to be condemned. It's this narrative that is just one of many that the white evangelical church, especially in my experience, just perpetuates so much shame. Hmm. There's something wrong with you. Your faith must not be important to you if you're not converting other people. But I'm wondering if evangelism it's about something different than conversion. It's something something more. But before we get into that, like what do you what do you think of when you think of evangelism in our kind of how it's understood in a, in a popular setting, like just beyond beyond Christianity
0: even. Oh, sure, even beyond. Well, I think about like anytime you just kind of like tell someone about something right as like some sort of recommendation i think of that being like almost like evangelism like you can do it even with like pizza shops right like sure right you can be like oh (laughs) i love i love this pizza place john's pizza you know like that's like a type of evangelism for john's pizza right like that's a subset of evangelism
1: yeah and i'll say anything about good pizza in my mind is good news so i'm here for i'm here for that There's almost this sense of what evangelism can be, in terms of our faith, is something that we do all the time. I think of how dependent I am on Wirecutter, the New York Times like product review (laughs) list. It's like, you know, I'm probably pretty not questioning enough when they tell me what of a certain type of thing that I should buy, (laughs) but I just. I trust them because they've they've put in the time and the work and you know there's there's almost a sense of them sharing that information with me to then prompt me to act right there's this it's this in a very consumeristic way (laughs) it's like it's 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 a similar type of invitation to what evangelism could be and I I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you framed it that way though, because it, it helps us at least start getting past a form of inviting people to consider what it would mean to follow Jesus like Simon, Andrew, James, and John did in this story. Hmm. It, it invites us to consider a way that doesn't have to do with causing people fear, yeah. with yeah. making them feel ashamed of themselves, but is more so about an invitation into something we're experiencing that's meaningful but also an invitation to consider what might be going on around them that they could participate into mm. you know i i this is a gross simplification of the book but there's a book called on this topic called nudge by the author Leonard Sweet who talks about evangelism mm. as kind of the the careful nudge to mm. Help folks, including yourself, identify the ways that the divine may be at work in your midst, um, whether or not you recognize it. There's something so beautiful about that imagery to me because it is so much less about us. It's so much less about numbers and a checklist and it is far more about connecting with one another and connecting with something beyond ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much of a focus in evangelism as it's more popularly understood on being right, on having power and basically making people conform to your image of what people should be and should believe. And that just feels so out of line with
0: these invitations that Jesus offered here. Yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with like a gospel track, does it? Like, like Jesus offers a real personal invitation. Yeah. Like not like a leaflet that he leads, that he, he, not a leaflet that he leaves behind that scares you into like saying some prayer. Right. Right. Do you have any good gospel tract stories? Uh, yeah. Yeah. When I worked at the doctor's office, one of the things that I would do is like after, after people's appointment, I would set up their following one and give them whatever paperwork like they had right. to take with them. And I've I've got multiple at the end of people's visits like I would hand them their paperwork that they would leave with and they would hand me a gospel check in return. <laughs> and yeah, I never really knew what to do with it to be honest. Like I was I would just kind of be like uh, thank you. Yeah. Like I just never <laughs> knew. like I don't know. Like I was always like okay. Like yeah.
1: I the most memorable one I had was on a some road trip with my family. I was, it was at like a pretty busy gas station with a single stall bathroom. So I was in line. I went used the bathroom and came out. And the woman who was in the line behind me handed me a tract. And she just looked at me and said, I'm supposed to give this to you. And then like shoved her way past me into the bathroom, <coughs> slammed the door and locked it. And that was the end of our interaction. (laughs) I'm just standing there holding this, like a gonna scare you into converting kind of document, whatever it was. That imagery though is so striking to me. Like the fact that she felt her task was done and could lock herself (laughs) behind a door between, like the absence of relationship in in that invitation was so striking to me. And I don't know, it almost feels like too good of a metaphor for (laughs) how poorly but this is like a totally true story i'm i'm hopeful that in a time so devoid of connection and community as we're living in right now that people of faith can learn how to reach out and offer support to their neighbors not so that they can check off a list or so they can bring more people into whatever faith community they're a part of Hmm. but so that they can show that the the teachings of their faith are more important than the fact that they believe a certain thing that we can live out the fact that god may feel like god's far away but god is actually close it doesn't, shouldn't that affect our lives more than just saying, you better, you better turn your life around or God's going to punish you. Conversations yeah. about evangelism are so, <laughs> so hard to navigate, especially in a short amount of time, but I'm just, I just feel like there's a real opportunity for for people of faith and honestly, people not of faith to offer care to each other right now. We are so isolated and it's so easy to be tempted to kind of further that isolation when we're, when we're experiencing the types of depression and anxiety and worry and fear that we're feeling. But Jesus gives us this incredible example of sharing good news and what that looks like to do with people in relationship to specifically know and creatively offer an invitation a nudge if you will to someone in their own setting in their own
0: space yeah in their own time it's a no it's a lot more like matchmaking right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah huh i'm like just putting this together right but like there's a part about matchmaking right that's like knowing kind of both parties Right. And it, yeah. that's what invitations do, right? You don't you don't evangelize for John's pizza unless you you know something about John's pizza and this per you're evangelized. That's not a word? the person you're evangelizing's <laughs> love for pizza, yeah. right? Or like, Right. Huh. Good question. Good what would you do in this particular situation? <laughs> so maybe, just maybe.
1: There could be a version of this scripture where Jesus offers to make uh, his disciples like Hitch, <laughs> like Will Smith. Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe Will Smith should play Jesus in, in a new movie of, of Jesus' life. I would life. Like that. That'd be awesome. I would watch that. I would watch the crap out of that movie. <laughs> oh, anything else that you want to add to this or... On that irreverent note, can I can I pray for us? Yeah,
0: that's a prayer huh? on the Will Smith as Jesus note. Let's go into the prayer.
1: <laughs> Will Smith as Jesus, to be clear, yes, not Will Smith is Jesus. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, we definitely need to pray. Let's pray. Nudging God, thank you for coming and being near to us even when we feel like you're far away. Help us to notice how you are calling us into something deeper, something new, and help us, we pray, to never ignore the fishers in our midst, who knows what you might have in store for them. Mindful of the many names by which your children cry out to you from all over the world, I pray in the name of the very first person fisher, jesus christ amen Amen. to our listeners thanks for joining us be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode
0: seth what story will we tell next week next week we're talking about galatians chapter 1 verses 11 through 20 paul recounts his own call story but until then leave us a review and find us on twitter and instagram to continue the conversation Thanks for walking us through that story, Jonathan. You're a good matchmaker. Thanks for helping me tell it.